You're listening to Little Green Cheese, Episode 3. Welcome back, I'm Gavin Weber and this podcast is where you can learn about making cheese at home. Well, what's been going on around the traps this week? Well, I've been looking after a kefili that I've got in the cheese fridge and it is growing orange mould. Now, the only way to get rid of orange mould is to wipe it down with uh, a brine solution. So I uh, dip a cloth into some brine solution and basically wipe it all over. Not only does it get rid of the mould, uh, what it does, it keeps the rind developing well. So it, it actually starts to harden the outside of the cheese and the rind develops and the inside of the kefili, because it's quite a special cheese, the inside of the kefili um, basically starts to go a lot softer. Not soft like uh, you would see a camembert, but it goes a lot softer than the outside rind, so it's quite a fabulous cheese. Now, you could uh, vacuum pack this cheese. I've never actually done that. I've always used the, I've always kept it uh, fresh and, and outside of wax because it only takes three weeks to mature. And I've always uh, wiped it down with the brine to, to make that hard rind. So it's been a fabulous cheese. Unfortunately, this episode, we don't have a cheesemaker that we can interview. So what I'm going to do is read the basics of cheesemaking. Now, this is something I should have done uh, earlier on in the piece, earlier on in the podcast. Um, But, uh, you know, you learn by your mistakes. So let me read some. It's about two pages, and this is the basics of cheesemaking. And it's actually chapter two of my cheese book, uh, Keep Calm and Make Cheese. So the basics of cheese making. Milk is not the simple white liquid that some people think comes from a carton or bottle. It is a living, breathing entity that sometimes seems endowed with almost magical properties. Before you begin to make cheese, it is important to understand some basic principles involved in the process and how the properties of milk make it all possible. Milk can clot, whereby it can increase in acidity and turn sour. Milk's ability to clot is due to a protein called casein. Casein is the white substance that separates when milk goes sour or congeals into a solid block after you add rennet. When this occurs, it is known as forming a curd, and the remaining liquid is called whey. Yes, just like little Miss Muffet, who decided it was not so nice to share the stuff with her arachnid friend. The curd forms the cheese and the liquid whey is a byproduct that you can use to make further cheese like ricotta or substitute in baking recipes for buttermilk. You can even feed this to your backyard chickens, pigs, dogs or cats. These days it is also used in many processed foods as a whey protein powder. Rennet is an enzyme that is naturally found in the stomach of young mammals, which enables milk to clot so that it is easily digested by the animal. It can also be made from plants and there are vegetarian varieties of rennet available. Rennet is sold as a liquid or in tablet form. Rennet performs at its best 
when milk is warm and contains soluble calcium. However, if milk is boiled or heat-treated, as in ultra-pasteurisation or ultra-heat-treated, UHT, this soluble calcium becomes insoluble. For milk treated in this manner, rennet will not work. The fresher the milk and the less processing that occurs before you use it for cheese making, the better the final cheese will become. When milk is homogenised, the fat globules are broken up and distributed evenly throughout the milk. This is an undesirable condition. However, it may be reversed by the addition of weak calcium solution. When the only type of milk you can source is pasteurised and homogenised, then the addition of calcium chloride increases the amount of soluble calcium available in the milk, assisting the rennet to coagulate the casein. Without this additional soluble calcium, a sloppy curd will result, which is difficult to make cheese with. Rennet also works best if the milk is slightly acidic. Milk can sour due to the presence of lactose or milk sugar. Lactose can be converted to lactic acid by specific types of bacteria, which increases the acidity of the milk. The bacteria use the lactose for growth and ferment it to lactic acid, similar to the way yeast converts sugars into alcohol during its growth. Lactic acid-producing bacteria are naturally present in raw milk and cause normal souring if the milk is kept warm for an extended period. However, most of these bacteria are killed when the milk is pasteurised. This is why the majority of cheesemakers add additional bacterial cultures to milk to assist in acid production. This way, the cheesemaker can control the specific outputs of acidification, depending on the type of bacteria used. The addition of control cultures also increases the chance of making a consistent cheese with specific flavours and textures. The bacterial cultures used in cheesemaking are also known as cheese starters. Once the curd has formed, either with the addition of rennet or by raising the acidity of the milk, it can be treated in various ways depending on the type of cheese being made. The curds can be cut to release the whey then heated further to shrink the curds to assist in making a hard cheese or scooped into moulds to make soft cheeses. The acidity continues to develop throughout the life of the cheese, especially when making hard, long-ageing cheeses. It is vital in developing the final flavour and also helps keep other harmful bacteria at bay, thereby acting as a preservative. Non-iodized salt or kosher salt is used in the cheesemaking process which acts as a flavoring agent and a preserving measure. It is added in granular form during the milling of the curd, breaking it up and mixing, either just before pressing in the case of hard cheese or before storage as for soft cheeses. Iodized salt, if used, will inhibit further culture growth and affects the final flavour of the cheese. It will stop the acidification process, which is unwanted for the cheesemaker. Well, there you go. That's the basics of cheesemaking uh, in a nutshell. Pretty simple. Like I said, that's from a chapter, part of Chapter 2 of my uh, cheesemaking book, Keep Calm and Make Cheese. And now it's time for the news. 
interesting story, and this one's from the Scotsman.com. Um, strange but true. I'll just read a bit out to you. A a mantra, a mum entrepreneur who started her own cheese-making business after being made redundant has been picked to supply Harrods following a award honour. Ailsa Proverbs created her cheese-making kits after seeing celebrity chef Hugh Fernley Whittingstall making yogurt on TV on the TV show River Cottage. Her success means she could be soon supplying the kits to retailers in France, the cheese lover's paradise. The 35-year-old woman who lives in Trenent with husband Sean, 50, a retail manager, and their children Duncan, 3, and Fia, 1, was made redundant from her job as a marketing manager in October last year. She had been attending free seminars run by Business Gateway East Lothian and tried to hit upon a great idea for her own business when inspiration struck. She said, I had my laptop out when I was watching the TV and started looking into how you would go about making cheese at home. It was a lot easier than I thought. The hardest bit was sourcing the little bits and bobs you need, like thermometers, for example. Once I got my packs together, I arranged focus groups of people who didn't know me so that I could get their honest opinions. The feedback was positive. Anyway, you can read the rest of that story, which is fantastic because, you know, a home cheesemaker selling to a a big uh, retailer. Uh, and it's wonderful that that Ailsa has, uh, has managed to do that. It's fantastic. Well done. Well, it's time for cheese of the episode. One of the cheeses I've just recently made, and I can't remember if I actually have talked about it on the podcast... And that is Colby. Now, Colby originates from uh, Wisconsin in the United States of America, and it's a washed curd cheese. And what I mean by that is that halfway through the process, you actually take out some of the whey that is drained away from the curds, and you add in warm water. Uh, What that does is it actually lowers the final acidity of the cheese, so it's not as sharp as cheddar, for instance. So one of the funny things, um, or not funny, one of the unusual things uh, that you add to this cheese when you make it is anato. Now anato is a natural vegetable dye. Uh, it's orange in colour and it comes from the seeds of a shrub native to South America. Now you would normally think that um, all cheeses are yellow. Well, they're not. All cheeses are normally white if they don't have the addition of a natto to them. So you would see that uh, most cheddars and store-bought cheeses, uh, especially those rubbery, horrible um, slices wrapped in plastic, are all uh, have all been dyed with a natto. And the reason is it's a bit of a trick. It's a ruse for the cheese buyer because what they think is that the cheese is made with a premium product so a really creamy milk. Creamy milk does uh, make your cheese go slightly yellow. Uh, but back in the old days, before they had an arto, um, they used things like uh, saffron or turmeric or even marigold petals, and that achieved a slightly yellow colour. Now, because they the cheesemakers could fool the cheese eaters into 
uh, believing that it was made with premium milk, they could actually charge more money for that cheese. So that's the reason uh, why most cheeses are yellow. So the Colby is quite easy to make. Um, there are instructions up on my uh, cheese making blog, Little Green Cheese, and it is uh, currently ripening in our cheese fridge. And I have waxed it, uh, and it will take three months to age. I turn it weekly, just simply turn it over, and what that does is it distributes the fats evenly through the cheese as it ripens. Um, so you don't get a funny lopsided sort of cheese. Uh, looks even, and as I said, there's good distribution of the fats as the cheese is maturing. We've got many uh, listener questions this week, so I've got three emails that I want to discuss, and uh, we also have another. We have a voicemail as well. So the first email is from David Case in Ohio in the United States. David says, Hi Gavin, I have a question. We've been making your farmhouse cheddar recipe and our first wheel came out very creamy and had a nice texture, but there's a sort of sour aftertaste, almost like there's a bit of citric acid in it. I won't describe it as sharp, but more like tart. Any advice? Thanks, Dave. Well, I do have a little bit of advice. I think that maybe during the uh, cheesemaking process, uh, you didn't salt it enough. That, that's one suggestion. Um, you can certainly save this cheese. There's no hassle. I would simply um, put it back on the wax um, and I would leave it for another six months. Uh, that sharp flavour will mellow a little bit. Uh, it won't be, sorry, it won't be as tart. Um, and I think you'll have a more mature cheese in the long run. But like I said, uh, maybe next time add a little bit more salt because salt um, inhibits the lactic acid, sorry, the uh, lactic acid eating bacteria from converting any more lactose into acid. So it, it will probably take away a little bit of that citric acid taste. So hopefully that helps. Okay, the next question is from. Nadim. Now, Nadim has left me a few questions on my blog before, um, but this one is specifically around Parmesan. It says, Hi, Gavin. After three months of mature, I also found similar problems with my Parmesan. I noticed it started swollen. I took out from wax to check it, found too many holes inside, but cheese is still, still soft as it only three months old. Any suggestions to save it or mature it further? I think, um, Nadine, that the best thing you could probably do is to re-wax it and I would put it into the uh, normal refrigerator, so lower the temperature so that whatever is causing the CO2 to grow uh, within the middle of the cheese is inhibited. Now, it could be, and I think this is exactly how my Parmesans have swollen in the past, is that the brine that you soaked the cheese in was not saturated enough. Now, you really do need a fully saturated brine to inhibit Parmesan from going a bit bloaty. Uh, and by a fully saturated brine, I mean um, uh, measure up your two litres of water and then keep pouring in salt. Usually it'll take about 500 grams or a pound of uh, cheese-making salt or non-iodized salt 
before you start seeing salt in the bottom of the of the pot. You can heat it up a little bit. I wouldn't go over 20 degrees uh, for the water. Um, it'll absorb a little bit more, but then as it cools down, you'll see some of the salt um, re-solidify again. So just make sure that your brine is fully saturated and that will inhibit any um, CO2 developing bacteria within your cheese. Well, the last email is from Sarah in Adelaide, South Australia. Sarah says, Hi there, Gavin. I enjoy your blogs and the Little Green Cheese podcast. I have a question for you which you might like to answer in your podcast or in your blog. I have been making simple cheeses like cottage cheese, ricotta and mozzarella. My four-year-old son is very lactose intolerant. We give him lactose-free milk, which is just cow's milk with the enzyme lactase added to it to neutralise the lactose. I have successfully made yoghurt with it. I am wondering if there are any kinds of soft cheeses I could make with the lactose-free milk. I'm going to give Labna a try sometime with the yoghurt, but is it worth trying any other cheeses, or is the lactose a vital ingredient in cheese making? Well, actually, lactose is probably one of the uh, main uh, vital ingredients because that's what the uh, starter cultures need to convert the lactose itself into lactic acid. But you could try, you could try soft cheeses such as ricotta. I think that would work because what you're going to be doing is simply heating the milk up. There's no cultures to add. And you can add uh, citric acid if you look at the uh, recipe uh, on my cheese making blog or in my um, uh, cheese making ebook. Um, you add citric acid, it makes a lot smoother ricotta. At a pinch, you could um, try mozzarella, and the, the recipes are freely available on my blog as well. So give those two a go. Um, I wouldn't try. Uh, cream cheese because you actually do need to add a starter culture uh, for that uh, and it probably would not work with a lactose free milk uh, because it needs some lactose to develop the acidity and the cheese flavor so give ricotta and mozzarella a go i think they may work um, you can only try and all you've wasted is a few liters of milk so give it a go and uh, well done thank you very much sarah so the next question is from Sasha in the US. It's a voicemail left to me on Little Green Cheese blog. Hello, Gavin. My name is Sasha. I live in Suffolk, Virginia. I'm really enjoying your website, and I bought your ebook, which has been great. And I just wanted to ask you a question. In the ebook, it calls for um, your recipe for the quick mozzarella, calls for one half teaspoon of liquid rennet, but on your um, your YouTube video, it calls for a quarter teaspoon, and I wanted to know which one was accurate. Um, I want to thank you for all the information you put out there. I really like your videos, especially the ones where you talk, because um, I find that very interesting. All right, thanks a lot. Have a great day. Well, thanks for uh, that voicemail, Sasha. Uh, yeah, you have picked up on a good one there. In the uh, YouTube video, um, I don't think I used lipase. Now, by adding lipase to the cheese, 
or to the to the milk, you actually need to increase the rennet dose. So the rennet needs to come up to half a teaspoon uh, in lieu of a quarter teaspoon. So what I'll actually do is on the little green cheese uh, blog, I'm going to add that amendum in. Um, and when I do another version of the Keep Calm and Make Cheese ebook, I'll put that as a notation in there. So just remember, if you're not using lipase, you can get away with a quarter teaspoon of rennet. But if you are using lipase, then make sure you do double the dosage of the rennet so you get a firm curd setting. So that's all we've got time for this episode. Uh, there are upcoming workshops which you can find on the Little Green Cheese blog. You can also find my cheese making ebook, Keep Calm and Make Cheese, The Beginner's Guide to Cheese Making at Home. And it's available in all ebook formats and you can purchase directly off the site as a PDF. You can also find my cheese making video tutorials within the ebook or on my YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, Curd Nerds, and stay tuned for the next episode of Little Green Cheese Podcast. Also, I'd really appreciate it if you went over to iTunes and left a comment or a rating. That would certainly um, help promote the podcast to all budding cheesemakers. During this podcast, you heard royalties-free music by Kevin McLeod. I played Malt Shop Bop, News Theme and Call to the Dairy Cows.